everything that we do here at the church is about making a connection. Our staff and I have been discussing for the last year or so what it is that we are all about as a church. And the reason why we're involved in that exercise is I really have come to believe that the average church in America really doesn't know what their purpose is or what they're about. The reason for that is one generation passes to the next generation and one generation of church does church because the previous generation did church that way. We don't know why we do it. We don't know particularly why we have the class at this time or why we sing a song at this time or why the sermon is at this point. We do it because that's the way we've been taught. But really, when you think about the church from the biblical idea, the biblical perspective, the church is about one thing, and that is connections. Connecting with God and then connecting with each other and most of all, connecting with the people who have not yet followed Jesus Christ. That is what we're all about. When you boil it all down, everything is about connection and helping people make connections. And that's why this series is entitled Connect, because as a church, we're evaluating ourselves. Beyond that, let's take a stronger term. We're not just tweaking our church. We are relaunching our church because I really believe that's what needs to happen in America. Last Sunday morning, I told you there are 400,000 churches in America, the majority of which will not bring one person to Jesus Christ this year. It's time for us to take a serious look at what we're all about. And are we really living up to the things that we say we believe? I think that's maybe the, the greatest question of all because really so many churches in America today and maybe even our church to some degree is a group of Christian people coming together to do the religious thing for a little while on Sunday morning and to talk about all the things that we give lip service to but rarely ever get around to doing. So we're going to evaluate things strongly today as we begin this series called Connect. Today we're going to look at the purpose statement of our church. I have to tell you a little history before I get into the message. I have a little bit of an iconoclastic streak in me. By that I mean I, I oftentimes reject trends. If something is trendy or hot or new, I, I can say, well, you know what, I don't want to do something just because it's trendy. In the last few years, churches have been developing purpose statements or mission statements. And I've been one to say, well, the Great Commission is a mission statement. And I've rejected developing a purpose statement because, as I say, one thing I've watched is I've seen churches, you know, write a purpose statement. They really don't live by it. They don't look to it. It's just something that they have in their publications. It's something they put up on their webpage. But as we begin to talk about connections one day, the staff have been talking about it. I went home and I was lying in bed about to go to sleep. When I begin to think about this idea of everything that we're about here at the church is helping people connect. Connect with God, connect with each other, connect with people who don't follow Jesus. And I asked myself, where would I go in the scriptures to find solid underpinning for this idea of connection? Now, I believe in biblical underpinnings. You know, I try as best I can as pastor of this great church to stay right with the Bible. So many times people want me to go past what the Bible says or to stop short of it, but I try to stay right with the Bible. And that's interesting because I oftentimes get criticism from both the legalists and the liberals. The liberals call me a legalist and the legalists call me a liberal. When in reality, I'm just trying to stay right with what God said. So I begin to think about what does the Bible say about connection? Where would I go if I wanted authority to go to our church and say what we're about is helping people make connection? And as I thought in bed that night, my mind went to John 15, because in this great text, Jesus, who is about to leave his disciples, is talking about connections. He is saying about himself that he is the vine and that we are the branches. 
and that we should go bear fruit. So that's a connection that we have to him, a connection he has to us, a connection that we have, a synergy that we have with each other, and then a connection we make with those people who have yet to follow Jesus. So I, I thought about that for a few moments, and I thought, yeah, that's really great. Have you ever been thinking about some verse in the Bible or something that God is teaching you, and it's like you think, okay, I've got it now, but it's like God won't let you go? It's like he just keeps it going? You know, it's like there's a loop. It just keeps playing. And so I tried to go to sleep, but I kept thinking about it. So after a while, I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I just need to get up and read John 15. So I got up and I read John 15, and yeah, man, it was wonderful. I was so excited about what I was reading. It was awesome. Everything I'd thought about connection was right there in the text, and I thought, this is great. I've got to share this with the church sometime. Put up my Bible, turned off the light, started to go to sleep, and it was like God just still wouldn't let me get up. It wouldn't let me go to sleep. So after a while, God began to just teach me things. And the words that God wanted to show me were coming to my heart and my mind. And what eventually became the purpose statement. I, I, I left the room because I didn't want to keep Mary Alice awake. I, I got by myself and stayed up all night that night and wrote down the things that God was showing me. I say that so that when we get into the purpose statement of our church, you'll understand something. You know, when churches today try to determine what they're going to be, and that's a big question for a lot of churches today because, as I say, most churches don't have a real purpose. They're just repeating stuff. There are all kinds of voices that, that, that people hear. There's the pastor's voice. There's the people's voice. There's the experts' voices. There's the, the gurus who write about churches. All those voices come about. I really believe today that in the church of Jesus Christ, and specifically at Messiah Baptist Church, we need to hear no normal voice. We need to hear the voice of God showing us what church is all about. It is burdening me in America today that we have millions of people who go to church, but there are very few people who understand what it means to be the church. I don't want this just to be a church that people go to. I want this to be a church that changes the community and effectively changes the world. And to do that, we have to understand what we're all about. And everything that we do as a church needs to support the vision of what this ministry is about. So with that in mind, would you look in your Bibles this morning in John 15. These will also be up. These verses will be on the, um, on the IMAG screens as well today. But John 15, I'd like for you to look at verse 1 of the text that, that God was showing me here that night. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me or connect with me and I will remain in you or be connected with you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, those who stay connected with me, and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, ye can do nothing. Anyone who parts from me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you stay joined to me, and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like, and it will be granted. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to my Father." What I love about that text is it's all about connection. It's branch connected to the vine, vine connected to the branch, branch connected to branch, and ultimately branch connected to fruit. 
And you can see from the text there that ultimately what God is concerned about for a church or for us as branches is that we produce fruit for the kingdom of God. Now, somebody may say, well, what is fruit? Because I've heard a lot of ideas and a lot of good ideas about what fruit is. But think about this. Our Lord is in the process of leaving his disciples. And you've got to focus on what Jesus was focused on. In Matthew 28, verse 18, when Jesus was leaving, he told his disciples, I've been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These guys were disciples that Jesus made. They were his fruit. And now he is saying, I want you to go and to make fruit. Paul talked about this when he wrote to the churches. He said, I want fruit that may abound to your account. In other words, he was saying, I want to bring people to Christ that may go to the account of those who have given the funds that have allowed Paul to do his mission work. Now, I want to mention a word here to help you understand fruit that probably you didn't use ten times last week. When I was in Bible college, I had a class called hermeneutics. And chances are most of you never had a class in hermeneutics unless you went to theology school or Bible school. Hermeneutics is basically the science of interpretation. And one of the laws of hermeneutics is the law of first mention, which means basically when you find something mentioned first in the Bible, you can generally interpret what you're going to read in line with that first mention. The first mention of fruitfulness is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, where the Bible says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he them, male and female, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. See, when God put Adam and Eve on the earth, he had a vision for them. He had a purpose for them. His purpose statement for them was, Look, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply and increase in number. That's what God wants for the church today. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to connect with him. He'll connect with us. If we're remaining connecting with Him, we're going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. We're going to produce fruit. We're going to increase in number. One more time, I want to read to you what the Bible says in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them. He said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. That's what God expects for this church. That's what God expects for every church. Every once in a while, somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, I like a small church. You know what the word for that is? I mean this in love. Clueless clueless. What do you think this is? I mean, the destinies of men and women are at stake. The eternal destinies of boys and girls. I mean, this, this is serious business here. It, this is not a social club. This is not a place where we come and get God off our backs and do the religious thing for a few moments on Sunday morning. This is serious business. God said, look, to Adam and Eve, he said, I want you to go out and multiply. I want you to increase in number. I want you to be fruitful. I want this to be bigger. I want a big family. And that is what God is saying to the church today increase in number. God is saying, if you connect with me and I'm connected with you, then you're going to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. That night as I worked and God spoke to me, for the first time I realized that he was giving me a purpose statement for this church. And as God spoke to me, I began to tell other people what God was saying to me. I walked in the office the next day and shared it with people. I'd shared it with Mary Alice that morning at breakfast and to a person, everybody I talked to began to tear up as one after one they began to say, yeah, pastor, that's what we're all about. This is going to be a workshop today. It's not really a sermon. We're going to work together as a church. If you're part of this family, I expect you to work with me this morning because I want us to get this. This is not just a sermon that I want us to roll off our backs. This is going to become part of our fabric. This is going to be what we are as a church. If you're our guest here today, help us work. 
and, and think about these things. If you're as in the early service today, had a number of people who were from other churches who came in and said, Pastor, thank, thanks for what you shared with us today. This will help us. So if you're part of our family, though, we're going to roll up our sleeves and go to work. Here is line one. Here is the first part of the purpose statement of our church. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. That is what we're about. More than anything else, our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Anybody who makes a real connection with Jesus Christ will make an eternal connection with Christ. The Bible tells us God loved the world. He did not want us to perish. He gave His Son to die as a sacrifice in our place, that anyone who accepts Him, receives Him as Lord and Savior, can be born all over again, can start life over again, and have God's Spirit dwelling within Him. Listen to me. Nothing we do is more important than that. And everything we do must support that vision. There needs to be a line between everything we do and people making an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. And that means here at Messiah, we're going to expend our energies, we're going to develop our resources, we're going to pour in our activity into that one thing, helping people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. Everything we do needs to go to that end. There needs to be a line between what we do and people coming to know Jesus Christ. If there isn't, we need to reevaluate what we're doing. The first part of our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. Let's add to that. Let's add these words. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others. See, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you suddenly get a new family. When you come into this family and you accept Jesus Christ and He becomes your Lord and Savior, you have brothers and sisters here. One of the things that I fear in our great church is every once in a while I'm concerned that we have kind of a stadium feel. You know, we have, this, we have the early service at 9.30, we have this service at 11 o'clock, and I stand up and speak, and Lance leads us in worship, and after a while, it can almost begin to feel like a stadium. And you can come in here and, and enjoy the worship service and learn from the teaching without ever really getting to know other people. I think that's a sad thing. God wants us to get to know each other. God wants those roots to grow together. God wants us to draw strength from each other. Which is why here at Messiah, our vision, our goal is going to be on developing small groups, life groups, connections, if you will, that allow God's people to get together. People who have common interests. People who want to study a specific aspect of the Bible. People who just want to get together and share their feelings with other people. Somebody has said, you know, friendship begins at the moment when someone says, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. We need to have an opportunity here at Messiah for people to get together and get to know each other. And those small groups are developing. Many of you are already in one of these connection groups. But we want to see them grow and increase here at Messiah because our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with God and with others. Now the next line. Look at this. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and others in order to grow strong. How do we grow strong? The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, speaking of those whom God has gifted in the church. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ, until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full-grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. That's where teaching comes in. 
Because see, when you make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with other people, how do you grow in that? That's where teaching comes in. The teaching of God's Word through the pulpit ministry, the teaching in the small group ministry, teaching in adult Bible fellowship, teaching in kids' Bible fellowship on Sunday mornings. All the teaching that takes place is so that we will grow stronger in our faith. Now, heads up now, stay with me. There, the average church up to this point could probably agree with that statement. Our purpose, even if we're not doing it, our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others. We get together in order to grow strong, period. And so because of that being the whether, the, whether it's the real purpose statement or the unspoken purpose statement of many churches, what happens is you have places where Christian people come in with other Christian people and hear sermon after sermon and lesson after lesson. They bulk up. They know all this stuff, but they never do anything with it. Primarily, primarily they never produce any fruit because they've got a period there. But we're going to take that a step further because our entire statement goes like this. Our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. The very reason why we grow strong in the faith is so that we can reproduce ourselves and bring other people to Jesus Christ. See, strength has a purpose. Strength's purpose is fruitfulness. Without fruitfulness, strength is meaningless. I've been in the church all my life. You know that. I've told you that. I've watched throughout my life, church after church that I've been in, of good people, nice people, Christian people, knowledgeable people, Bible-loving people who sit in the services, who may go to evangelism classes, but when it's all said and done, they never are part of really bringing anybody to Jesus Christ. See, we want to go beyond just getting strength. If all you do is learn and you never do anything with it, what's the purpose of it? I, I, I've never been into bodybuilding, as you can tell by looking at me. But I, I, I don't even like, I mean, I, I never have understood why people watch bodybuilding. I mean, for one thing, it just is kind of perplexing. What little I know about it is these guys that bulk up, you know, and they lift all this iron, they go to all this trouble. But why do they do it? I mean, they're not, they're not getting strength so that they can go out and, and do some serious work with it. All they're doing is they, they, they build up strength so they can oil up their bodies and pose. What's that for? See, I think that's the average church. I mean, we go to Bible studies. I mean, we, we listen to sermons. We attend worship. Man, we're bulking up and we're getting strong. Why? So we can come on Sunday morning and pose. We are the church. Am, am I the only one who's gotten a clue that there's, no, there's something wrong with that? I mean, there's, if you're not getting strong to do something, then there's no purpose to it. Jesus said, if we are connected with Him, and He's connected with us, and we're connected to His Word, and His Word is connected to us, then He said, we will bring forth much fruit. Much fruit. I take that to mean this. When the church is what it should be, then people will be coming into the kingdom of God. Don't you agree with that? And if people are not coming into the kingdom of God, don't tell me how much you know. Don't tell me how many Bible studies you have. Don't tell me how many, don't tell me how many activities you have for kids. Don't tell me what all you're doing. Show me, are people coming to faith? 
We've been on a journey the last year. Most of it's been exhilarating. A little bit of it's been painful. But I will tell you what, brought, what started me on this journey about a year ago last spring was I realized I was pastoring a great church of wonderful people, but we really were not seeing people come into the kingdom of God. And I determined I would do whatever it took. I would pay whatever cost was involved so that I could see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we've had a delightful and sometimes challenging year, but at the end of the year, we've seen more people come to faith in Jesus Christ in the last 12 months than we've seen in years put together. I am saying to you as a church, I will not rest and I will not stop as long as God gives me breath and strength and I will not back down, stand down, turn around. I will not do anything that moves us away from this vision of saying we are about helping people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with others to grow strong, to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And we're going to do that by God's grace. And already it's happening. So how are we going to do this? What can we do? Well, I have to tell you at this point, I've got some help from a guy who, who's taught me a lot of things, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. You may not know him, but chances are you've probably heard of his dad. His dad is Charles Stanley. His name is Andy. Andy Stanley pastors a church called North Point in Atlanta. The next part, that I've, I've added a strategy statement to the purpose statement, and that I got through Andy Stanley's teaching. Because he was talking about this very thing of helping people connect with God. And what he said they had discovered at their church is that there's really no way when it gets right down to it that we can connect people with Jesus Christ. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But Andy Stanley said as he talked with his staff, he said the one thing that they had learned is what they could do was they could create an environment that was that was, in, that was welcoming, that was gracious. They could create an environment that was conducive to people coming to know Jesus Christ. And so because of that, we've added this strategy statement to our purpose statement. Our strategy is to accomplish this by creating, there are three words here, joyful, relevant, irresistible environments led by skilled staff and dedicated volunteers. So if our purpose is to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ, and we don't have the power and the strength to do that, but we can create environments, that means we must focus on every environment in this church. And what we must begin to do is to look at every environment and say, how can someone who is yet to follow Jesus Christ become connected through this environment? You know... <laughs> I remember when I was preaching last year in a particular sermon, I had said, wouldn't it be exciting if the church could be made up, a church service could be made up of one-third of people who have yet to follow Jesus Christ, one-third of people who have just begun to follow Christ, and one-third new believers. Wow, I found out that was a very controversial statement. Because actually, I begin to hear back that the church is not about, the church is not a place for people who have yet to follow Christ. The church is for people who already follow Christ, and we go out into the community, and that's where we do our evangelism. Could I ask you a question, if you believe that? How's it working? How's it working? See, we're so far away from the New Testament, sometimes we struggle to get back to it. If you go back to the first church service, it was on the day of Pentecost, and if you read at the end of that church service, there were 2,000 people who came to faith in Jesus Christ who got saved. That means that when that church service started, there were 2,000 people there who didn't know Jesus. Beyond that, there are people today who say, well, 
the church service should be an environment just for Christian people. And I think that has a lot more to do with psychology than it has to do with theology. Because there is within some people a feeling that says, well, you know what, this is what church was like for me when I was a kid, so I want to just back up 30 years and get, out, get away from the culture, and I want to engage in some nostalgia for a little while. But I want you to think about something. Our environments here at Messiah have to do with our goal of reaching people for Jesus Christ. In your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse 23. Paul said, even so... If unbelievers are people who don't understand these, come into your meeting. Now, that, that's interesting. Let me stop there for just a moment. Paul assumed that when the church got together, there were going to be people who came into the meeting who had yet to follow Jesus Christ. So for those people who say, well, no, the church is all about Christians, understand that Paul was saying, listen, when the church gets together, there's an attractiveness to the church. It's going to draw people in who don't know Jesus Christ, and they're going to be there. Now, what was going on in the church at Corinth is they were just going crazy. I mean, they were speaking in tongues. Everybody had a song. They all wanted to teach. Everybody wanted to exercise their spiritual gift. Here's the best way I can say it. The church service had meaning to them. It meant something to them. They knew what was going on. It was part of their ritual. It was part of what they did. All this stuff that they were doing. But now go back with the text to the text with me. Paul was saying, even so, if unbelievers are people who don't understand these things, come into your meeting and hear everyone talking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. Now, you know, I think sometimes what goes on in many churches in America today is just people doing the same thing that they've been taught that church is all about. And somebody comes in here hungry who doesn't know God, and our environment may mean something to us. It may have some sort of nostalgic reference to us because this is what church was like when we were kids. But somebody who doesn't know the Lord comes in here, evaluates our environment, and says, there is nothing here that is meaningful to me. Paul said, but if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers are people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they'll be convicted of sin and be condemned by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be laid bare. They will fall on their knees and worship God, declaring God is really here among you. Now, one thing I've been trying to teach you all along as a church is this. God's Word never changes. Theology, that means the study of God. God's Word never changes. We never have any permission to back away or to add to one centimeter from God's Word. That is timeless. What does change is style. Methodology changes. When we, when, when we say that theology is open to interpretation, that is liberalism. When we say that methodology is the equivalent of theology, that is idolatry. Methodology always changes. Theology never changes. Now, here's what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth. Listen, you guys have a methodology, and it's off the charts. It's not working. The unbelieving person will come in. He won't be able to understand what's going on. He's going to think you're crazy because your methodology is not conducive to him understanding. But he was saying your theology is powerful. If you will stay with what matters when the unbelieving person comes in, when the person who is yet to follow Jesus Christ comes in, they will be attracted to that message and drawn, and they will come to know Jesus Christ. So, our strategy. There are three kinds of environments here at Messiah that we're concerned about. The first one is joyful, joyful. You know, I don't want to see us do anything at Messiah that isn't joyful. Because this world is so hungry for joy, isn't it? 
And I really believe this. If, if, when, if what we do here at Messiah, if it's painful, if it's unhappy, if it's sad, somebody who doesn't know Jesus Christ is going to say, why should I be here? These people don't have anything. I can get this out. If these people are unhappy, I can be unhappy out in the world. I'm coming to, coming to believe the longer I live, I'm coming to believe that the true mark of Christian maturity is the ability to have joy in God. And so every environment here needs to be joyful. I talk to people every day who I try to invite to church and they'll say, you know, I don't want to go to church. My parents made me go and it was painful. It was boring. It, was, it didn't mean anything to me. And I want to say to myself, as a church, may our environments be joyful. Listen, we might not be relevant. That's a challenge. Irresistible is something we may never rise to, but joyful is something we can always have. Joyful. Number two, relevant. Relevant. I was sharing that with you a few moments ago with the text that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He was saying, you have an environment that means something to you, but it's irrelevant to those people who don't understand what it's all about. That means that we must evaluate everything that takes place on this property to say, is it relevant? Can someone understand what is going on? Or do we create an environment that says, this is a club that is closed? I was thinking about that the other night. We've been moving the last week. We bought a new home in Bel Air, and, and uh, my wife has had me in the moving business. And one day I, I had been, I can't remember which day it was, but we had been moving all day long and finally finished after midnight. And I realized I was hungry. Now, I'm not talking about the American kind of hungry that says, where are we going to eat, you know? I mean, I was like that way down workshop hungry, you know, where it's like when that thing clicks and you really are hungry. And so I thought, I'm going to run down to this fast food place that I like so much because I think they're open late. And so I was just starving, drove down there. And when I got there, I looked and there was a sign in the window that said, closed. And I sat there and I thought about those people who had put up that closed sign. And I wondered, did they just leave early and think that nobody would notice? And the first thought that I had about them was those people that put up a close sign, they didn't care that I'd been moving all day. And, and they didn't care about the fact that I was hungry and that I wanted tacos. They didn't care a thing about that. It's closed. Now, I sat there for a few moments, and I, I pitied myself for not getting tacos. But then I began to think about how many churches have an unspoken close sign on their door. As I sat there in the parking lot long after midnight and began to contemplate that, I began to think about where I grew up. I, I grew up in Texas, the South. And I remember the civil rights struggle. And, and I can remember when the laws were passed in the mid-60s. I can remember the Voting Rights Act. And I can remember uh, the laws, the fair housing laws. And unfortunately, there was a shameful time in America where people discriminated and were able to do so legally. But I also remember a time after those laws were passed that the culture was such That a person who was black or Jewish 
or made lower than a certain income, when there was an unspoken clothes sign, it was just to say our culture does not welcome you. Our culture suggests you're not going to be accepted. Now, the law says we can't do anything about it. But we're going to develop a culture. We're going to develop an environment that lets you know that we are closed. I honestly believe, sad but true, there are many American churches, and maybe even this one to some degree, that when we get together on Sunday morning, what we're doing, we're doing for us. We're making ourselves feel comfortable. We have created an environment that makes us feel comfortable. But when somebody walks in our doors who's yet to follow Jesus Christ, they feel it. The sign says closed. This is a closed club. It is relevant to us, but it's not relevant to you. We're going to make sure that the words the pastor uses are theological terms, religious terms that people understand that who, who have been in church for a long time, but, but we're going to be, we're, you know, we're going to make sure that the music is something that we feel good about. See, what I want us to understand is theology does not change, but methodology does, and we have to evaluate our methodology through the prism is, uh, of does it help people make a connection with God? And I know that the moment I say that, there's some of you out there that are forming all these debate cases in your head for this. I just want to ask you one question. Are you bearing fruit? How are you doing? Because if I've learned one thing growing up as I have and being pastor for so many years, I've learned that we talk a lot more about bringing people to Christ than we actually do. Our job at this church and will be throughout this ministry is to create joyful environments. We can't, we can't connect people with Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we can create an environment. We can be joyful. We can be relevant. We can be strategic in the way we present our ministry so that people will be attractive, attracted to the Word of God. And ultimately what we want to get to is irresistible. One of the things that's really cool here at Messiah is I, I get to hear the stories of people that say, you know what, I didn't intend to come here. I never thought I'd be in a church like this. Or I didn't even know where I was. I just came in one day. I didn't think I was going to like it. But I got hooked on a series or I got hooked on something or people were just so friendly. I just couldn't leave. And then they began to tell me about how they come to faith in Jesus Christ. It's the most awesome thing. I wish I could share the stories with you of people who tell me I didn't expect to come here, but I couldn't leave. Ultimately, I think that's what a church should strive for. We should strive for irresistible environments. There's just something so wonderful. There's just something so joyful. There's just something so life-giving that if people don't even agree with what we say, the environment is so pleasant that they can't leave. Right now, while you're in here, there's a children's church going on back in the family life service called G-Force. Now, G-Force is kind of a cutting-edge kids' ministry. It's high-energy. It always makes me wish I was eight years old again every time I go back there. But it's also great in its teaching component. About a year ago, there was a little boy who came to G-Force. I think he was about eight years old. He didn't come from a church-going family. Somebody in his family, I think an aunt or an uncle, brought him to church. And he went to G-Force. The next Sunday morning, he told his mom and dad, I want you to take me to G-Force. 
And they said, what's G-Force? He said, well, that's the, that's the church service they have for kids at, at that Messiah church. And his parents said, we're not going to take you to church. We're not a church-going family. We're not going to take you. He said, all right then, I'll walk. I want to get there every ministry in our church. I want every ministry here to be like that. If nobody will take me, I'll walk. See, that's what the church should be. Because our purpose is to, it's to bear fruit. We are to make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ and with each other. And then we want to grow strong through teaching of God's Word, but not so that we can oil up ourselves and pose. We want to be strong so that we can produce fruit for the kingdom of God, to increase the family of God. And we're going to do that by God's grace, by working on every environment. We're going to evaluate every environment we have. Is it joyful? Is it relevant? Is it irresistible? If it's not, how can we help it become joyful? And somebody will say, well, we've always done this ministry. If it's not bringing people to Jesus Christ, we may have to take another look at it. Because everything we do, we're not going to do just because it's always been done. We're going to do it because it serves the purpose of bringing people to Christ. We're going to work on our environments. God has been good. God has helped us. We've grown so much in this last year, not just numerically, but we've grown in evangelism. I was sharing this statement with our trustees. And I, I decided on the way, I was trying to think about how to explain this message that, see, forgive me, for, let me back up for just a moment. So many people, as I said a little while ago, they had the idea that the church is about Christians and evangelism is something that takes place on the outside. Think about this, and it's great that evangelism takes place on the outside, but whenever you go out to share your faith personally with someone else, you're one-on-one. And God will help you. But think about all the energy and the resources that go into this hour on Sunday morning. Wouldn't it be a waste to take all this energy and all these resources and not use them to draw people to Jesus Christ? I was trying to think of some way to explain that to our trustees. So I asked them the most guilt-producing question that pastors ask anybody. I looked at our trustees and said, how many of you have led somebody to Jesus Christ and seen them follow the Lord in believers' baptism and come into the church. Now, I ask that question because, see, there are many people that in evangelism, their idea is they go out, they knock on doors, they pass out tracts, they get people to pray a prayer, and they say they have led that person to Christ. Maybe that happens, but I don't know what your experience is. My experience is that many of those people who pray those prayers never follow Jesus Christ. My guess is most of them really do not come to faith in Christ. I was talking to a pastor the other day. He said, man, we had 300 people saved. I knew his church had about 200 people coming to it. And I said, wow, that should have doubled your church. Well, he said, no, our church is still the same size, but we just went out and we got 300 people to pray the sinner's prayer. But they didn't follow up. So I asked our trustees that question. How many of you have led somebody to Jesus Christ in the last six months and seen them baptized and follow Christ in the church? And they did what I've done and you've done in services like that when you've heard that question asked. They grew very quiet. And I looked at the finest men I've ever known in my life. And I said, every one of you should have had your hand up because you've been bringing scores of people to Jesus Christ. 
every Sunday when we get together, people get saved. Sometimes many people get saved on a Sunday. And I looked at one, I said, you've been in a teaching kids ministry, and you're in the greeters ministry, and you're in the worship ministry, and you're out there in the parking lot meeting people. And one by one, I, I said, you know, there are some of you, you, you helped when, when we were talking about moving out here. If you hadn't helped us get the land, we wouldn't even be out here for those people who don't know Jesus Christ. And I looked at the greatest men in the world and I said, every one of you should have had your hands up because you've been bringing scores of people to Jesus Christ. And I would say that to you. For all of you who participate in this ministry, you've been bringing many people to Jesus Christ. You have a part. Every one of you that does anything in this ministry to strengthen us, you are bringing people to Jesus Christ. And by God's grace, we want to see that grow into a mighty tree. We're connected with Him. He's connected with us. We're connecting with each other. And we're connecting to those people who need Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? This is our purpose. May God bless you.